Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting from Duxu Village on Jeju Island, this is the Korea File, a weekly podcast about music, culture, and society from around the peninsula. I'm Andre Goulet. On this episode... Anne Bush is a writer, teacher, and activist from Berkeley, California. Her work for the Jeju Weekly has brought an articulate and insightful outsider's take on the art, history, and culture of this conflicted island. In this interview, she reckons with the value of the economic benefits of tourism on Jeju Island versus the sanctity of cultural solidarity for its people in the face of massive socioeconomic changes. Been the articles you've written so far? When I first got here, it was it was a lot of like stuff for my family and friends, like oh today I discovered Emar, you know, like oh my gosh, there's stones on the ground that massage your feet, like my first initial Korean discoveries. And then now that I'm getting more situated and comfortable here, I'm focusing more on like what Jeju is in the larger scheme of things with globalization and um, the art scene here and. I did a cool blog about food, my first Korean love affair with food, and I really enjoyed writing about that. <laughs> Anne Bush is a writer, a teacher, um, and a resident of Jeju Island. And, and I wanted to talk about some of the um, background to particularly tourism. Mm-hmm. I wanted to discuss globalization, but I think on Jeju, it really begins with, with the tourism issue. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just tell me what you think of these. Tourism has increased by about a million a year since 2008, to 12 million this year. Wow. And this is an island of half a million people. Oh my right? goodness. Uh, so, what are the reasons behind the tourism? Well, it's, it's not primarily Chinese people, but like, I think 3 million out of the 12 million are Chinese or something. And that's increased exponentially as Chinese people have had... The new middle class has had more ability to travel. So they don't have to have visas to come to Jeju like they do for the rest of Korea. It is an hour flight from Shanghai, which is super close, two and a half hours from Beijing. If you buy property uh, as a foreigner, you get permanent resident status, which gives you access to Korean medical and employment and educational benefits, and you don't have to give up your citizenship, which is an awesome bonus. 70% of the $6 billion in foreign investment on Jeju is Chinese. Wow. Uh, in 2014, uh, 68% of Jeju residents said that the growth in the number of Chinese tourists was not helping Jeju's development. How many percent? 68%. 68? So pretty big majority. Wow. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. So all of these numbers and stuff sort of speak to, yeah, the tourism of Jeju. Mm. So what have you seen in your experience in your life here? Well, I live in Shinjeju, uh, New Jeju, I guess. I live like two blocks away from Jaewon, 
um, which is J1 Walking Street, and that's where all the like uh, clothes stores are. People call it um, Chinatown. Like it, everyone, kind of like my Korean friends, kind of always make little comments as we're driving through, and um, so we talk about how many Chinese people are coming. I definitely witness that every day outside my building there are these humongous uh buses that park just bus after bus after bus of chinese tourists who like to shop at the duty-free stores um so i'm like right in the thick of things there so i maybe am more exposed to the chinese tourists than in other places in in jeju um Obviously, I mean, I, I don't consider myself a tourist, but I am a tourist here in, in some ways. So I'm also connected to uh, the Westerners coming through. And um, we've kind of talked about how Jeju is, kind of feels like living on Disneyland. <laughs> you know, you just see a lot of these people coming through and taking pictures. And it's a little weird to be like, hey, dude, I live here. Like, <laughs> let me through. So you wrote in a blog entry on jejujive.wordpress.com that Jeju's in a state of flux. So, a little bit about how I got here. I was living in Mexico for a few years teaching English, and uh, I met this uh, wonderful couple, Jorge and Wendy, in Puerto Escondido, Oaxaca, uh, and they worked here in Jeju uh, four years ago. They lived here. They worked here for two years, and be- they convinced me to come to Jeju. And before I came, they like prepared me. You know, they they told me all the information, things to expect. Um, and so when I came here, I felt very prepared. What kind of preparation was it? Like, what did they tell you? Oh, like places to go and and uh, how to deal with how to deal with like the work situation and um, things like that. But like. When I came, there was, there were like whole neighborhoods that they didn't tell me about that that they've built since they left, and um, and then when I talked to them about things I was seeing, they're like, I don't know what that is. That's not what it was like when we lived there, and and so I was like, I'm, I'm quickly realized that the Jeju I was living in wasn't the Jeju that they had lived in four years ago. Um, and as I've talked to more and more people who've lived here for like almost a decade, they describe Jeju like 10 years ago being completely different. And as you're driving through Jeju, you see the construction and these like empty freeways and, and you just feel it. You just feel the construction and the, the changes and buildings go up so much uh, more quickly here than, than like places I've been in the U.S. or Mexico, like, one week you pass the street and it's like an empty lot, the next week it looks like there's a whole building there, and like, where did this come from? What does is, what is globalization mean to us? How would, how would we define that? The exchange of people, of things, of ideas, of culture, um, yeah, it's like the planet is being shaken up like a, a snow globe, <laughs> you know, and, and things are landing in different in different places and getting mixed up in strange ways, and we talk about globalization here on Jeju, um, there are people from all walks of life, from different countries here, and 
Um, but when I think of globalization, I think of how like the larger power structures, be it from like multinational corporations or um, nation states like the U.S. or, or China, kind of coming in and and adding what they want. I mean, that for me, that's more of the negative side of globalization. Yeah, I always think of the economics and mm-hmm. in terms of trade investments mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And on Jeju, we're seeing that, uh, like in the statistics I was I was mm-hmm. uh, talking about. So, so on Jeju, do we see positives in terms of globalization? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. You know, Korea has grown so quickly uh, in the past few decades, and there are plenty of scary things about that. But at the end of the day, like Korea is a you know a burgeoning country, and it's great that the quality of life is um, improving for Korean people. And um, my friends have described Jeju like back in in 1950s after the Korean War like Korea was one of the poorest countries in the world like sub-Saharan Africa uh, is now and Jeju was the poorest region of Korea and to to think that not too long ago it was like that and now it's this beautiful um, beautiful island with these I work at a hagwon where I'm helping kids go to these international schools, and it's not just Korean kids, it's, it's Chinese kids too. And so it's like the cream of the crop, like upper crust of Asia. I call them like the little princes and princesses, and they're all trying to get into these schools here on Jeju Island, you know? Like, so I feel like at one point Korea was on the bottom, and they've just like zoomed to the top. and. It's complicated, but I don't know if... I think that's something to be proud of for Koreans and Jeju. You've described what's happening on uh-huh. Jeju as gringo-style globalization. Uh-huh. So what does that mean to you? Some of the first things I noticed were... <laughs> were coming to the island where like, there was Quiznos and Papa John's and Starbucks and Burger King and McDonald's. And um, I went to E-Mart and Lotte Mart and it, you know, the aisles were full of American products. And I was like, I came to Korea to be in Korea. Like, why am I seeing all this stuff from home? You know, you walk into a Starbucks in J1 and it's basically the same layout as a Starbucks in San Diego where I'm from and the same as a Starbucks uh, in Mexico City where I lived. And um, I don't travel to go to American uh, corporations, like companies. I don't do that. So that gringo-style globalization um, is describing that aspect. Is, is, uh, it's, I'm not, I don't think that Amer- the American corporations are the biggest uh, problem on the island, but I do find them really annoying. And there's so much rich culture here in Korea and in Asia and I do get a little sad when I see like people kind of leaning towards western um, cultures and customs because I'm from America and I know that you know there's problems there and 
I like the notion mm -hmm. of a dichotomy on Jeju. Mm -hmm. Down-to-earth local versus big bucks global. Mm -hmm. So break that down for me. Big bucks global, I mean, it's like the Papa John's and the Starbucks. Right, yeah, and the big hotels and resorts and amusement parks. And the down-to-earth local mm -hmm. refers to the stuff we kind of see on Jeju that makes it so special. Mm -hmm. But what is that? Um, they're the little villages. The little villages, if you just kind of like make the, a wrong turn uh, off of these main roads on Jeju, you'll land in this like totally different little world of uh, like village country life with the tiny, tiny little windy roads um, and like grandmas hunched over in their like backyard like farm basically and um, you know you see the Hainyo, the women divers out there um, diving for abalone and fish and I haven't seen the miniature horses but I hear that they're still being used to farm and um, or if you walk into like an old school Korean restaurant and have a traditional meal uh, with the locals it just feels really yeah down to earth there's a good example just a couple blocks from here. Mm -hmm. uh, the Mega Box mm -hmm. is showing Avengers 2. Mm -hmm. And right behind it is those two little thatched roof houses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, preserved from time immemorial, like, mm -hmm. like they're 120 years old or whatever. Yeah, those are the, the houses that Tommy showed us, I think. On, on, to on yeah. Tommy's famous uh, history walk yeah. a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, but that, yeah, that sort of contrast, like, I mean, I love that about Jeju particularly mm -hmm. because so much of the old culture is still really rich mm -hmm. and much more alive than mm -hmm. what I experienced on the mainland mm -hmm. when I was living there. Um, but that dichotomy of, of getting a cup of Starbucks and then walking over and, uh, uh, yeah, getting to see some traditional history mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. kind of special. Okay, so you've noticed some interracial resentment. <laughs> what have you observed? Um, well, I, I said this previously, like, I live next to Jaywon, um, uh, and my Korean friends always make a comment about it being Chinatown, and there's always, like, a little, there's a tone you hear, you know, and, um, you know, it's crazy, like, the Chinese are bringing so much money to this island, and... Uh, that's a good thing for Jeju, you know, Jeju's economy, but the locals are not happy about, about mm. that. Uh, you know, and, but my friend Sabine says that Jaewon used to be Japantown, like Jaewon was full of Japanese restaurants before. Um, and so there's, now it seems like, you know, People are irritated with the Chinese, but maybe before it was the Japanese. And Interesting. But I don't hear anything, not often, like outright racist remarks, but there's always an undertone that I'm uncomfortable with, but I'm like, I really don't know enough, you know, to... A lot of these are sort of old tensions because yeah. the relationship between China and Korea or Japan and Korea or Japan and China yeah. are old, 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 old yeah. and lots of ups and downs and uh -huh. really deep downs, like really bad downs. Yeah. Um, as an aside, is it Baoxian Street in Chinese? They, they call the walking street? Oh, I don't know. It's named after a Chinese conglomerate 
that sent 11,000 of their employees over here on a tourist junket in 2011. Oh, wow. So they named the street and branded it. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, so you wrote about the construction of a narrative on Jeju. Um, how would you articulate the narrative as you've perceived it? Um, well, uh, I guess I, I, I've seen lots of, I've been to lots of tourist spots here on the island, and so you, I'm always, you know, reading the little blurbs at exhibits and stuff like that. I've been to the Jeju Nat Natural History and Culture Museum. Is that what it's called? The Nat Nat Natural History. Oh, the natural. Uh, <laughs> the natural history museum. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also culture. Okay. It's culture too, because they have. It's really weird. They have exhibits of, um, of like animals and and like nature, and then you go into the next room, and it's full of like mannequins of Koreans, and it feels kind of strange. <laughs> but, but anyways, it's and it's a lovely museum, but um, the narrative is very much like. The Hainyo are beautiful, and um, look at the farmers uh, with their mini horses, and, and it's very um, bucolic uh, and uh, sunshiny. Everything's really cute on Jeju Island, but there is like a darker history here, and um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And, and the Jeju people are kind of tough, like. They're tough people, uh, and not, uh, they're, they're loving people, but they've been through a lot, and I think that the way that the government and some museums, um, present Jeju, it's not really true to the, the soul of, of the culture here. I think a lot of that narrative, too, is created by a central government mm -hmm. out of Seoul, and mm -hmm. how that's projected. Mm -hmm. onto Jeju identity, so mm -hmm. other Koreans need to like latch on to that mm -hmm. so that Jeju means that to mm -hmm. them. I think for Jeju people themselves, uh, they know the history, obviously. But I think too that there's like a promotion of a lot of the darker history. 4-3, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. was the long massacre uh, from 1947 mm -hmm. to 1948 mm -hmm. or whatever, uh, where 30,000 Jeju residents were mm -hmm. killed. Um, I think that the government here does really recognize that, and when they were uh, having the ceremonies commemorating it uh, a month ago, uh, I, it did seem like it was a history that's still alive mm -hmm. uh, for Jeju people, but I'm not sure that's reflected in how Korean people perceive mm -hmm. it. Life is about production, not the consumption mm -hmm. of things, or egocentrism. So I like how you articulated mm -hmm. that sense of values. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to you? I think that uh, the world is moving really quickly now, and um, it's so easy just to grow up consuming uh, television and advertisements and um, like what's going to be my next big experience. Uh, and you can just go through life without producing anything. And you feel like this deep emptiness, you don't really know why. Uh, and I think, I think that's just how modern life in a capitalist society is. You wrote that art here is in direct contrast to the tourist lifestyle. 
What do you mean by that? Um, I think the tourists, the, the, the tourists who come to this island are like a burgeoning middle class from China, of Koreans, um, uh, Westerners, you know, and, and traveling is a, is a privilege. Um, not everyone can afford it. Tourism is a privilege, privilege. And, um, so like the things, tourism is marketed towards people who have lots of money, who live a certain lifestyle. And I think that sometimes it can be kind of plastic and superficial, not well thought out. Uh, but I think that the art on that island comes from a more genuine place with more purpose. Um, uh, and it's local. It's it's being done in the villages with the people. True, lots of the artists are from the outside coming in, like from Seoul or Japan. But um, there's more of an interaction with the people in the villages from the artists, I think. And the artists are wanting to tell the Jeju people's stories here more. Um, it's there's more of an interaction with the locals than tourist the tourism with the locals. And this contrasts a lot with the sort of more globalized JJ that we see every yeah. day. Mm -hmm. So where do we see the effects of globalization and development and tourism and everything else? Uh, where do we see Jeju going from here? Mm. What, what would you predict five years or ten years down <sighs> the road? Um, I, I, I do believe that Jeju is becoming Disneyland. Uh, I hate to say that, but <laughs> um, I think that it things are moving so quickly uh development is just exploding and it doesn't seem like the government is really paying attention to the locals here there the there's so much money coming in and maybe they're getting a little crazy with it and they don't see what's what's happening um i think there's going to be a huge backlash and there already is uh, especially with the naval base protests that are happening they're buying up all the land around the naval base uh, so that they can be a presence to, to remind uh, the naval base of, you know, where they're, where they're situated. And, um, the, the naval base is being built by the Korean government mm -hmm. in, what's the town's name? I'm not Gumjong? sure. I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> but this is, the, this is pretty new and there's been a lot of... Uh, Controversy. <laughs> Controversy, yeah, there's... There's been people who've been like who've been living there for years, like almost a decade or something. Yeah, that's just one part of the bigger fight uh, to preserve Jeju. I'm hoping that some things will happen where uh, we can find a way to pressure the government to preserve the shrines and other um, structures on the island uh, that have been here, you know, for hundreds of years and um but i think that development is going to win the battle <laughs> i mean in the long run i think we'll have some small victories but you can't really slow down i don't want to say progress but development i hope we can but we'll see <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
That's the Korea file for this week. You can find new episodes up every Wednesday on iTunes and Stitcher and as a feature contributor at blogtalkradio.org. You can find Anne's online work at jejujive.wordpress.com and in the travel section at jejuweekly.com. Tune in next week for a conversation with researcher Agnes Son on Korea's back-to-land movement. From Doksu Village on Jeju Island, I'm Andre Goulet. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.